Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. We are so glad to see you here today. It's fall break. Amen? Amen. Nobody's excited about that. It's okay. We're not excited about it because if you're like me, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If you're like me, uh, you scrolled through your social media feed last night. And you, you felt like half the world is going somewhere and you're not. Do you ever feel that way? But let me just be honest with you, it's not half the world. It's maybe like 10% of your friends or maybe not even that many. But I'm having a pity party because I'm not at the beach or Disney World with them, right? It's okay. It's okay. Because the truth is God has a plan, amen? Come on. And I believe with all my heart, God brought you here today for a reason, And the Lord has a message for you from his word. I appreciate our worship team so much. And it's always awesome to see how a testimony that can be shared through song or through word on the stage parallels with what we're going to talk about as we open God's word today. So I'm glad you're here. Let me me start by uh, talking about my family just for a second. Now, some of you kind of have heard me tell stories and you know my family. Some of you don't know my family at all. But I want to talk about my brothers just for a minute, specifically one of my brothers. Here's what you need to know. I'm the third child. I'm the baby. I was a surprise child. It was not planned for me to be here. And it was like, wow. So to let you know how real this was, my two brothers, the day I was born, were 16 years old and 13 years old. So that puts that into context for you. My oldest brother, Mike, he now lives in Seattle, Washington. My brother Keith lives in Oklahoma City. And so growing up, I never got to spend as much time with Mike, the older one, because, think about this, he was 16 when I was born, so like he's going off to college when I'm two. And he went off to college, and then from college he moved to Texas. And so I just was not around him, didn't get to know him as much. But Keith stayed in Oklahoma City, so I got to know him very well where I grew up. Now, if you don't know my brother Keith, and if he were here today, here's what you would first realize about him. He, like, he is one of the world's greatest joke tellers. If he were here and you met him today, I promise he would be telling you a joke in part of the dialogue. Am I right, Shauna? Um, And sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're appropriate. Sometimes they're inappropriate. I'm just putting it out there. He always tries to, in knowing that his little brother's a pastor, he tries to share with me the joke that's appropriate. He wants me to use them at church. I never do because I'm a terrible joke teller. Do y'all know what I mean? Some people have it, some people don't. I don't have it. Keith, uh, Keith loves to tell jokes. He loves motorcycles. Jared right now is trying to figure out a way to purchase one, one of Keith's motorcycles. How many does he own right now? Five motorcycles. He loves motorcycles. He loves any kind of uh, automotive, auto sports, all that stuff. He is all about vehicles. Keith is all about the maintenance of vehicles. For example, when we talk on the phone, it is very common for him to say to me, Kent, are you keeping the oil changed in that truck you bought? You know, 
And growing up, from the time I got my very first car, he wore me out. You know, getting ready to go on a trip. Can't we, hey, you better come by my house. We need to check all the fluids in your vehicle. You know, make sure you're good to go. He was all about that. And when your brother just, you feel like all he cares about is what's your oil level in your car, at some point, you just want to be like, dude, chill out with my oil level, okay? But he, this is what he's all about. I love him. It is who he is. It's, it's who he is. And you're like, where are you going with this? Why did you bring this up? Well, thanks for asking. I'm going to tell you. Do you realize, we're in this sermon series, The War for Your Heart. Do you realize that there are some of you here at church today, you pay more attention to the warning signs, the warning signals on the dashboard of your automotive than you pay attention to the warning lights on the dashboard of your life. Listen to me, I tell you the truth. You are more focused on things that, are they important? Yes, but are they of the utmost importance? Probably not. All I'm here to tell you is there is a war playing out for your heart. There really is. There's a war playing out every single day. And today, I'm trying to figure out how can I communicate this that someone will understand that you've not, this is not really connected with you yet. Are you willing to begin to pay attention to the warning signals on the dashboard of your life? That's my prayer for this day. That's where we're going to go today, and we're going to look at a text in just a moment that, that it's an aha moment for the person we'll, we'll read the testimony of in the text. Before we get there, I want to talk about a guy named Dave Busby. And I don't know, I think maybe only two or three people are familiar with it. If you have ever heard the name Dave Busby, I'm just curious, raise your hand. Really? Okay, more than I thought, more than I thought. Dave Busby was a really incredible communicator. He was passionate. If you heard him speak, he was the kind of guy that you're just like, man, give me more. He had an incredible way of teaching God's word. He influenced thousands of people and he influenced someone in this room more so than any of us. And that's Tammy Taylor McClary, you see her? Okay, so here's the deal. When Tammy came to know Christ as a teenager, Tammy was going to church uh, at Park Avenue Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. This would have been like the late 70s or so, right? And Dave Busby was your youth minister. What an incredible guy to have as a youth pastor. So when I say he influenced lives, no one knows this like Tammy knows this. And God used that man in a very, very significant way in your life. Now, Dave Busby passed away in 1997. His life was cut you know, way too short. He had so many different medical problems going on. But this past week, I thought about him. I found this little booklet that I've had for years. And I thought, oh, I want to look at that. Listen to this quote from Dave Busby that has much to do with where we're going to go in this sermon today. He said this, Busby said, I think we're going to put it on the screen. If I've discovered anything about Christianity, it's that Christianity is about what is happening on the inside. If you allow God to take care of what's inside, then the outside will take care of itself. That, that is truth. And so in this sermon series, we're desperately trying to get get to this place where we acknowledge there's a war for our heart. And here's all I'm trying to say to you today. 
If you ignore, if you neglect these flashing warning lights on the dashboard of your life, you you may be able to be okay for a little while, but those of you who have automobiles, you know what happens if you ignore those lights for a long time. When your heart is not functioning the way God wants it to function, when your heart becomes hardened, you're going to eventually break down and you're going to become stranded. I can't get over the memory of, of Macy. This is when she was still in college. We had been on a, uh, the whole church. A bunch of us went to uh, the Buffalo River. We went to the Buffalo River to float it on Labor Day. Macy had to get back to get back for class. And uh, she was driving probably a little too fast, but a warning light came up on her dashboard. She had to make the decision, what am I gonna do? Do I pull over or do I push on just a little bit more? She was so close to college. And she decided to keep going. And uh, the car just stopped functioning. Now, the most beautiful thing about this is, this is, just, this is just awesome. She's going through downtown Nashville. And the parking lot that her car basically just rolled into as it powered down was right across the street from one of Nashville's finest uh, adult entertainment clubs. <laughs> What's the, I can't remember the name of the place. The crazy horse, yeah. <laughs> so when Macy called me telling me the cars broke down and where it is, I was like, this is not good. This is a problem. Praise the Lord. It was in the morning though, right? So we're all good, yeah. It's good. That was a good car. We love that car, and that was the end of that car. I'm really chasing a few rabbits, but I want you to understand what I'm talking about. There are indicators, if we're willing to open our eyes and look, that God will show us so that we might look at the condition of our heart. And for some of us today, if you're ignoring those indicators, you're going to break down. Your car's going to be stuck. You're going to get stranded at some point on the side of the road. And that stinks. Man, it totally stinks when that happens. And so in light of that, let me tell you something about yourself as we look at this text. Every single person in this room, no matter who you are, all of you right now, uh, we're all trying to figure out how to navigate life. Whether you're my age, whether you're in your 20s, whether you're in your 70s, all of us are trying to figure out how to navigate life. We're working on a plan. Now you might say, hey bro, I'm not a planner. I don't have a plan. I'm not a planner. Well, yes, you are. You just don't realize that you're working on a plan. And what I want to say to you is all of us are searching and you're doing the best that you can right now to come up with a plan to navigate life. Now, let me remind you first of a text in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, what Jesus said. He basically saying, hey, church, the first thing I want you to do as you navigate life, as you come up with a plan, I first want you to seek out or to search for the kingdom of God, to search for righteousness. Look at the text. We'll read it together. But seek first the kingdom of God and seek first his righteousness. And then when you do that, all these other things will be added unto you. Okay. Now we can read that Bible verse. We can say, that's a good one right there, brother. And you know what? You know how the church used to do this? And I'm not saying we need to do this, but back in the day, When the church believed in a Bible verse, here's what I would hear the old deacon say. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Do you ever do you ever have that preacher? Yeah. You know that guy? Okay. You do not. <laughs> um, do not do this now because we're watching to see if you're going to do this. But if you want some, some comedy gold, I, I Googled that phrase this week. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And it took me to a music video from the 70s of these like 20-something-year-old. It was like a, an ensemble of young adults. And the ladies are in these very 70s dresses. And the men were wearing light blue tuxedos. And they were singing a song entitled that. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Like they're standing in the middle of a forest. And it's got these ladies singing. And there's this massive tree behind the ladies. And then about 30 seconds into the song, here come the men in blue tuxedo marching out from the tree. God said it. Y'all got it. It's comedy gold. I wanted to show it this morning in church. And Jenny Loving said, no, you can't. Sorry. Just, y'all might want to check that out later. There is a, and Jenny, I love you. I'm not, I wasn't going to show that video. You know, I'm just joking around. There, there is a war playing out in our hearts. And so what I want to do, I want to look at a text that we actually looked at at the beginning of the summer. You guys remember the Sunday that Matthew Gray preached? And he looked at this same text with us. I'm just going to look at it from a different angle this morning. It's a great text. And here's why, here's why we're going to look at this. It's the story of a lady who had a plan. A lady who had a plan. She was, she was searching. She was trying to figure out how to navigate life. And we really have no idea if she really understood what was playing out in her heart. But listen to me. Jesus knew. Jesus knew Look with me. We're going to go today to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. And so now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. And it was about noon. All right, just take a time out. Think with me what's going on. Jesus has been on this journey, he's tired. He's tired. God with skin is tired. Isn't it comforting to know that just, you know, you think, Lord, you don't understand. Yeah, he does. He gets tired too. He's worn out. He's been on this long journey. And then watch how the plot thickens in this story. We'll continue. John 4, 7 through 9. When a Samaritan woman now shows up, when a Samaritan woman came to the same well to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Hey, lady, I'm thirsty. Help, help a brother out over here with a drink, would you? The disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And so the Samaritan woman said to him, You are Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And so right here in this moment, church, this is so important. This is where Jesus, our Savior, is breaking all of the cultural rules of the day. Jewish men never, never, ever spoke to Samaritan women. This was a huge no-no. Keep this in mind. 
Why did Jesus do this? Listen, he was on a mission and his plan, listen to his plan. His plan was to help the Samaritan woman begin to see how her plan, her searching, her hardened heart could be radically changed. So Jesus, what did he do? He broke all of the cultural customs in order that he might be able to unconditionally love her. Look at the text, verse four, chapter 4, verse 10. And Jesus answered, If you knew the gift, that's, that's worth noting, a gift. If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you, bam, right there, living water. Did, did y'all just hear Justin up here 10 minutes ago share a testimony about living hope in Jesus? And now here's Jesus talking about living water. And so watch this now. Let's see if she understands what Jesus says to her. Look with me, verse 11 and 12. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. The well's deep. Where can you get this living water, she asks. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And at that point, I, I really, I don't know what's going through Jesus' mind. He might have thought, dear lady, you're not, you're not hearing me. He, he might have been thinking, I, I, need you to, I need you to just take a minute and slow down and really listen to what I have to say because I don't think you're tracking with me. I think you missed what I just said. And just back up from there for a moment. And can we just be really honest as God's people this morning at church? Aren't all of us, aren't you so very glad that Jesus is patient with you the very same way he's patient with his lady? Man, we need that. So Jesus has to remind her, dear friend, I said living water. Not the kind of water in this well, but the kind that can refresh your hardened heart. Look at the text, verse 13 and 14. And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water in the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so let's just put this into a bottom line. Here's how Jesus might say this today in our culture. Hey, lady, I've got a gift to give you, and it is going to blow your mind. That's how he would say it. Right now, he's saying to her, I have the ability to once and for all, listen to me, end this continual search that you find yourself on. And I think that at this point in the conversation, the Samaritan woman, maybe she begins to process all of this and she's like, okay, okay, I, 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 I need to understand this. Living water, what, what, what my heart thirsts for. I think she's thinking about all of this. And then out, listen to me, then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, Jesus goes, 
with this completely different train of thought. Look at the next verse, verse 16. He tells her, go get your husband and come on back. Jesus has been talking about living water. He's been talking about giving her a gift. And then all of a sudden, on a dime, he turns the conversation and he starts saying, hey, go get your husband and bring him back. And, and you, you know, we, many of us have seen this text many times. I think we take it for granted. But we have to process what, where might Jesus be going with this? Don't fast forward. Don't miss out on this. And then you have to think, how would she respond at this point in the conversation? Probably some shock. She's probably a bit embarrassed. And maybe she kind of drops her head and just looks to the ground and begins to shake her head. I have no husband, she replied. Look at verses 17 and 18. I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right. You're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Now I want you to listen to me. I have a very important question I'm going to ask everyone in the room to think about at this point. Why did Jesus confront this woman about her husband? Just think about that. Why did Jesus confront this woman about her husband? Some, somebody might say, well, the answer is obvious because Jesus just likes to make people feel guilty. Well, no, no, that's not it at all. That's completely wrong. And so what I want to tell you, the real reason Jesus confronted her about her husband's, he was simply trying to help her identify what was happening in her heart. Christ's desire was to help her see with clarity what she had been searching for. I would say that her plan, remember we all have a plan, the Samaritan woman's plan looks something like this. I believe she had no doubt said to herself, not once, not twice, but probably hundreds of times, listen to me, if I could just find the right guy, if I could just find the right man, I think in her heart, she felt like that would fix everything. And let me say this, I don't believe for one minute this had anything to do with sex. But instead, I simply believe here's a lady who was searching for someone who would love her unconditionally, who would show her compassion, who would be tender and gentle with her. For you see, she had moved from husband number one to husband number two, to husband number three, to husband number four, to husband number five. And now she's working on husband number six. And I have to believe that on that day at the well, in this conversation between Jesus and this lady, he's 
He's just trying to get to the place where he can say to her, ma'am, aren't you tired yet? It's like Jesus is asking that question, so, so how is this working for you? And here we are. Let's just apply it to us. Here we are 2,000 years later, and it's so easy for us to throw the Samaritan woman under the bus. We can be sarcastic, and we can think, she doesn't get it. What's her problem? And yet if you and I are completely honest in our heart of hearts, how is our plan, how is our searching any different at all? And so when I say our hearts are searching, when I say it's a war, I just wonder, what is your plan? What is your plan? And so I want to suggest that basically there There are four categories you can land in when you process the truth of the gospel that Jesus shares in John chapter four. And let me just share these with you. And I'm I'm asking you to identify where you're at. What is your plan? Where are you at? How do you respond to Jesus of Nazareth when he offers you living water? Response number one is this. You would say, man, my heart belongs to Jesus. And if that's where you're at, praise God. Daily, you would say, I I place all of my trust in him. You you have tasted and seen that he is good. You completely understand what living water is all about and what it means to abide in Jesus Christ. And that, that is such a beautiful place to be. Do not take that for granted, but abide in Christ. Some of you are there. Some of you are here. Look at number two. For some of you, your heart has taken a detour. What do you mean, Kent? Here's what I mean. At one time... You were pursuing Christ, you were following him, but somewhere on the journey, it's like you said, you know, uh, see you later, God, I'm going to take a little break. Lord, I'm going to try to do this on my own for a while and see how things work out. And so if this is where you're at, this means what you're doing. You're chasing after someone, you're chasing after something, that's where your heart is. I want to encourage you, if this is where you're at, and you would say, yeah, man, I'm on this detour. I'm kind of, I don't know what to do. All you got to do is remember the story of the prodigal son. And he made all the wrong choices. He went off for all the wrong reasons. But when he came home, his father was not waiting on him. And the father was not saying, man, I can't wait to get my hands on that son of mine. I'm going I'm I'm to discipline him. No, that's not what happened. Instead, the text says the complete opposite happened. Let's have a celebration. Let's celebrate because this son of mine who was lost, who went on a detour, he's come home. He's been found. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe your heart's taken a detour. Or perhaps number three, maybe this is you. You would just say your heart, can't. if I'm totally honest, has never known Jesus. What do you mean? Well, what that means is for all of your life, You've been chasing after false gods. All you, listen, all you've ever known was independence from God. And so today, as God's brought you here, I, my prayer is that you're hopefully honest enough to, to admit, man, this is wearing me out. I'm empty. I'm tired. I feel like I'm going nowhere. If this is you, please hear me. There is a real God 
who is passionately in love with you. And so today, I'm inviting you to walk away from that independence and surrender your life to Jesus. And then there's a fourth category that some of you today may be in right now. Your heart just wants me to be quiet. You're here, and all you've been thinking about for about the last 15 minutes is, when is this going to be over? I wish that guy would just be quiet. In your heart, you may be saying things like, I don't believe that. I don't think that's real. I don't think that's true. I'm not even sure if the Bible's real. You may be thinking, all of this is a complete waste of time. Listen, if, if that's you, I realize there may be people in the room today, this is you. Can I say something to you? I love you for free, just the way you are. And more important than that, listen to me. Jesus loves you. He does. He really does. He has not given up on you. He is not waiting you to get all your crud together before you think you can approach him. Oh my, he loves you. I know it doesn't make sense to you, but his desire is to show you all of his grace and all of his mercy, just as he did in this amazing conversation that day at the well with a Samaritan woman who was working on husband number six. So which one are you? I don't know where you're at. Some of you have come to church today and you would say, Kent, my heart is hardened. And maybe I didn't even give an example of why your heart's hardened. For some of you, you've been hurt, you've been wounded. And you're asking some really hard questions about this faith journey, about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. What is that supposed to look like? Why do people that I thought were brothers and sisters in Christ, why are they the ones that brought an attack toward me? Where is your heart today? And once you define or decide what category you're in, listen to me. The real question is, what do you want to, what do, you want to do about that? What is your desire? What do you want to do? For some of you, you're ready today to make a decision to follow Christ. For some of you, you're processing this. You've been on this journey. <laughs> Y'all know me. I'm a processor. I had to think about it for a long time before I surrendered my life to Christ. And then God orchestrated the most crazy you know, events to show me that he was serious about me following him. I, I don't know. But today, I believe that God is drawing many of you in this room to follow him, to trust him with all of your heart. Bow your heads with me this morning. We want to invite you to respond to what God's doing. Father God, um, some of the people here at church with us today are my dear friends who I've known for a long time. And God, there's some people in this room who I've never even met. And so, Lord, I've, I've learned that in this world of being a pastor, sometimes you can assume you think you know where people are, but you really don't. And so, God, I've, I've learned, too, that even for myself, there are times that, man, we can make life 
look pretty smooth on the outside, but on the inside, things are shattered. And so for my friends in this room who I know and for the people in this room who I've yet to meet, God, for those who have a hardened heart, who feel like life has been shattered, oh God, in this very moment, God, would you overwhelm them and remind them how much they're loved by you. God, I pray that the spiritual warfare that they faced, God, our enemy who has told them lie after lie after lie, God, in the name of Jesus, God, would those lies be removed? And Heavenly Father, I pray that we would cling to the promises in your word and we would begin to understand more what it means that you are our living hope, that you give us living water, that you sent your son Jesus who overcame death on a cross and now reigns victorious. God, sometimes we take all that for granted and we, we, don't, even, we don't even know what to think about it. But God, help us to think about it. Help us to pursue you with all of our heart. God, for, for the people here today who, who are in one of these categories where they've said, man, my heart has never known Jesus. Or maybe they're the person who just said, my heart just wants that preacher to be quiet. God, do a supernatural work in their life now, drawing them to you and your son, Jesus. God, transforming them by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that they would not be able to lay down this night and go to sleep until they surrender their life to you. Whether that happens right now at the conclusion of this worship service or whether that happens this afternoon or whether that happens tonight or through a conversation this day, God, lead them to you and lead them to the cross. Lord, I know that there are people in the room that have many other things they're processing in their life, needs, God, medical, overwhelming medical concerns, relationship problems, financial crisis, all these things, Lord, that seem overwhelming. God, we know that you invite us to cast all of our cares upon you. So God, let us trust in you, casting our cares on you. And God, we look to you for our hope, our comfort, and our healing. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.